Welcome to Minority Landlords Podcast, your manual to financial freedom. Are you looking to escape the nine to five rat race? Do you wanna earn passive income while building generational wealth for you and your family and don't know how to get started? Well, you're at the right place. Here at Minority Landlords, we're here to help educate minorities about real estate investing. And now your host, Pepe Amoti. Hello guys, this is your host Pepe. Thank you for tuning back in. As always, I'm psyched for this new episode. In this episode, I will be talking about what most of you all might know about, and that's the eviction moratorium. I'll be be talking about its positive and negative effects for both landlords and tenants, because quite frankly, it's a hard time for everybody and both us landlords and tenants need to work collectively together during this time. I will also discuss how this is impacting the housing market, what new or current investors need to keep in mind when purchasing, and most importantly, how landlords should be handling the moratorium situation with the tenants. So let's get right at it. What is it? When was it enacted? By who and what not? So what is it? For those that have no clue what's been going down, basically the CARES Act, which stands for the Coronavirus Aid, Relief and Economic Security Act, was a $2.2 trillion economic stimulus bill that was passed by the by the Congress and signed into law by the then President Donald Trump on March 27th of last year in res- response to the economic fallout of the COVID-19 pandemic, as we know. The CARES Act eviction moratorium began on March 27, 2020 and ended on July 24, 2020, saying that covered tenants can't be evicted and landlords can only file eviction notice 30 days after its expiration. So after that expired, the nationwide moratorium was enacted by the CDC, the Center of Disease Control, and took effect back in September 4th, 2020, and was initially supposed to end on December 31st, 2020, but it got extended again legislatively through January 31st and extended again by the CDC through end of March 2021 and again extended by the CDC on March 29th saying it's, it's saying that it is now extended through the end of June 2020 into 2021 and again through July because rental assistance across the country even if it was already there most of those organizations hadn't gotten the money in the hands of the landlords Then after that extension, housing advocates such as Cory Bush, you all might know, and other Democrats pushed for the moratorium to be extended further, citing Delta variance concerns. That's when the Delta variance started. Biden himself had initially said he doesn't think it's constitutional, but due to the pressure from his party, he decided to agree to let CDC extend the moratorium. That extension got struck down in August 26th of 2021 when the Supreme Court had said that the CDC took unprecedented action by issuing a temporary national moratorium on eviction for non-payment of rent to help stop the spread of COVID. So there's a lot that's been going on throughout this 
whole thing with the extension and whatnot. The way it looks like, per Supreme Court's reasoning, they want Congress to be the one to enact such measures or individual towns. As we know, initially the moratorium was put in place stating that you cannot evict folks living in residential properties for non-payment of rent. Cities implemented the moratorium to help to, to help prevent homelessness, right? And overcrowding housing conditions, meaning that folks who are evicted are more likely to be homeless on the streets or end up moving in and overcrowding with their family and friends. And in return, the COVID cases will keep increasing. The whole reasoning makes perfect sense. And quite frankly, as a landlord, I think it's a great idea because with the extensions, the government did allocate a lot of money. I think around 46 or so billion dollars for emergency rental assistance, even though it took forever to start getting it in the hands of landlords. Now, some hard good news to landlords, evictions can go ahead since it got struck down, but please check your local laws. Some towns and states are enacting their own eviction moratoriums like the city of Boston, where I'm in recently, currently, they recently enacted their own eviction moratorium, meaning that you cannot evict anybody for non-payment of rent. There's a lot of towns and cities across the U.S. that are enacting their own versions of eviction moratorium. So yeah, now even though it's not nationally, they've left the power to the states and towns to make their own rules. Some are calling for HUD to enact the, the, the moratorium for federal assistance properties. FHFA should enact, they're calling them to enact for folks with federally backed mortgages such as FHA and whatnot, which I've talked about in this podcast. It's all a mess right now with everyone trying to figure out what's next. So I recommend you all to check what exactly is going on in your own towns. I personally believe, like I said before, regardless of whether or not CDC wasn't legally obligated to enact the moratorium, I believe it was a good thing that they did. As you all know, it was a challenging time, or it still is a challenging time for everybody. Everyone got affected with COVID one way or another, and I think it made perfect sense the moratorium was put in place. Few concerns I have with it is that the organizations given the money to this bus could have done so faster than they did. It took forever for them to get the money in the hands of the landlords. The other issue I have with it is that they could have put it in the renters' heads that even though they can't be evicted, they are still liable to pay all missed rent plus late fees. Because we have a bunch of tenants out there, including my own tenants, that refuse to pay in spite of their income not changing and getting substantial, substantial amount of assistance from the government with stimulus checks and whatnot. Because at the end of the day, not paying rent is not just harming small mom and pop landlords, but rather it's also hurting the tenants because now they have thousands and thousands of dollars that they'll have to pay back. And they're at higher risk of getting their wages garnished and so on. 
or even getting sued by the landlords. So now let's talk about it. How to deal with tenants and ensure that you get paid in these unprecedented times. So with this whole mess going on, as we know, like I'd said, I think it started as a good thing, but got too political and like everything that turns political, it becomes a mess as we all know. So you as landlords, I think y'all shouldn't just chill there and hope for the best. I encourage you all to know all the resources and rental assistance programs in your areas and send your tenants every single resource possible. You'll be surprised there's, there's a lot of tenants out there that just know that they can't be evicted and that's it. They don't know that they'll still have to pay you one way or another. Maybe even through or for situations like I, I talked about such as their, their wages being garnished or them getting sued. So let them know what the moratorium is all about. Let them know your rights as a landlord. Let them know their rights as well as tenants and give them all the resources possible so they can apply for assistance. If they live closer, even help them, help take them to the office to apply for assistance and help them if they do not speak the language, if they do not, if they do not speak English and whatnot. My whole point is your landlord should work with your tenants day in and day out to ensure that you get your money and the tenants stay in their homes. However, if the tenant is big-headed and not willing to work with you, then follow the moratorium laws and don't do anything stupid though. Because if you do anything stupid or illegal, there's big, big fines with it. I remember back when the nationwide moratorium was, was in place, the fine for violating the moratorium was $100,000 fine and up to a year in jail. And if the violation led to a tenant's death, you are subject to up to $200,000 in fine. So pay attention to those laws enacted by your states and local governments to make sure you do not find yourself in a mess and in trouble. Also, uh, I would say, especially in this age of moratorium and courts not really evicting, try working with your tenants, folks. If they are late here and there, so be it. As long as they are, they are paying you, I would say, try working with them. Because there's a bunch of other tenants out there that are taking complete advantage of this situation and not even paying a dime to their landlords. I've personally had tenants who hadn't paid for months until the government paid their rents. I've had to help tenants by giving them a discount because they voiced they were having a hard time. So landlords, do what you can to work with, with your tenants. Obviously, if they do not care at all and are deadbeat tenants, then by no means follow the, the, the court process and take them to court and try your luck of evicting them. I've done that too myself and fail due to the moratorium. But big point here is work with your tenants who are trying their best. If they are late, so be it. If they bring excuses, so be it. As long as you are getting something and at the end of the month the full rent is in, I think it's okay. Because chasing them through the, the court process will be costly, cause bad blood and make the situation worse and make some tenants give you even more issues. 
again, if the dead beats tenants, some of us will, will end up with one of those, one or two of those. If they are dead beat tenants, then take them to court. No excuse if they aren't doing their best on their end. All right, folks? So we know what's going on and lots of people have asked me whether or not it's a good time to buy. So let's talk about how this has impacted the buying and what y'all should know. For those trying to get into the game or even those who are already in the game are afraid. Even me, myself, I'm afraid of buying, but I'm trying to find like I, these ways you can go about it and buy with no issues. Right. So something to keep in mind in the midst of this moratorium and governments involved, even if the moratorium got lifted, like I said earlier, a bunch of states and towns have reinstated their own moratorium. That's whatever, but what drives me crazy is how the government is too involved in landlords' businesses now than ever before. Yes, I want tenants to be held, but the lawmakers should not just dump landlords altogether. Lawmakers should make policies keeping landlords, la, la, landlords in their minds as well. This bunch of lawmakers that have never owned properties and do not know how much work and expenses it takes maintaining rentals. Yet those are the, 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 the same lawmakers pushing laws that are making landlording hard. Problem is, as small landlords are being pushed out of business, guess what? The big landlords are buying those properties right and left and increasing rental costs and home prices are also soaring. And I believe that will just keep going on and on. At the end of the day, this whole mess will end up affecting tenants more rather than landlord because now it's harder than ever before to buy. And also renting is and will keep getting more expensive with giant corporations taking over landlording. Also keep in mind, mom and pop landlords like me tend to work with tenants and come into agreements. Big landlords could care less about you. So yeah, this will end up pretty bad for tenants and there's a lot of lawmakers that don't really understand that. So how has this affected buying? Small landlords like, like, like me are super scared of buying. I've been over analyzing deals and being very extra cautious about buying and quite frankly, all of y'all mom and pop landlords should do that. Be careful what you are buying. Try to avoid C and D class properties because that's why you will have tenants that are, have a lot of issues. I know they are cheaper. Those properties are cheaper, but that's why you will have a lot of issues. Try focusing more on B or C class, C plus class properties, even if they're expensive, but it's worth it. It's worth it than ending, finding yourself in a situation that you'll regret. Another advice I would give to first timers is if you can try to even avoid buying altogether until the end of this year. Congress is currently working on a moratorium bill to make it so that the Department of Health and Human Services is able to implement nationwide eviction ban. The same thing like the CDC one. I'll say if you're a first timer, try waiting and see how that ends, how the towns end up with the whole moratorium issue and, and, and whether or not the DHHS moratorium will pass through. If you're a veteran landlord like me, you can catch some, some stuff or rentals that the owners are selling simply because tenants aren't paying and owners is trying to get rid of problem by selling them. 
can catch that. Try to pay attention to like, are they, are all the tenants up to date with their payments and whatnot. But newbies, be very careful. Hence why I'm saying try waiting on, or try, try to wait until, until the end of this year, because I'm sure we will know what's up by the end of the year. Other tips I would give you, 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 you folks, whether newbies or veteran landlord is to beef up your screening process. Make sure you're, scre you, you, you are screening very hard to avoid finding yourself in trouble. I'll have a totally separate episode on screening, screening sometimes in the new future. Lastly, this is just me, but I would recommend try buying in a landlord friendly state. In this age of no evictions, if you're buying a rental in states like California, New York and such, I wish you all the luck in the world because you will be gambling big time. So research and make sure that you buy in landlord friendly states. Sometimes the state is landlord friendly, but the city in that state is not, or your housing court judge sides more with tenants rather than landlord. I wish it wasn't like that. I wish they could just be balanced, not to be only siding with tenants or landlord. We should have a balanced coding system. But unfortunately, it's not like this. And that's, I have an example. One of the areas I invest is Cleveland, Ohio. And Ohio, as we most of us know, is a, a, a landlord friendly state. However, since the death of the previous, pre previous housing judge, now Cleveland is not really landlord friendly anymore. Now they're siding more with the tenants. So look into just not the state, but also individual towns and towns housing courts. If your state or town of interest is not landlord friendly, out of stating is really not that hard. So I recommend y'all to even branch out if it's if it means investing out of state. Once things come down a little bit, then you can invest wherever you choose to. But in this state of time where landlords have no much say on their properties, be very, very careful. All right, folks, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Minority Landlords Podcast. Until next time, stay hungry. Thank you for listening to Minority Landlords Podcast. Please like and subscribe and leave us a rating on iTunes so that we can reach as many people as possible. We will appreciate it if you tell your friends and family, too, about the podcast. Also, visit us at MinorityLandlords.com.